Chapter Nineteen of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Nineteen. A Series of Contretemps. At the sight of this charming equestrian, all thoughts of leaping the log were driven out of my mind, and I rode quietly forward with the intention of going round it. It might be that I timed the pace of my horse, mechanically, no doubt, but, however that may have been, I arrived at the prostrate tree just as the young girl reached it from the opposite side. We were thus brought face to face, the log barrier between us. I would have spoken, but for the life of me I could not think of something graceful to say, and to have used the hackneyed phraseology of fine morning, miss, would in those beautiful blue eyes that glistened under the shadow of the sunbonnet have rendered me as commonplace as the remark. I felt certain it would, and therefore said nothing. Some acknowledgment, however, was necessary, and, lifting the forage cap from my forehead, I bowed slightly, as such a salutation required, but with all the verve that politeness would permit. My salutation was acknowledged by a nod, and, as I fancied, a smile. Either was grace enough for me to expect, but whether the smile was the offspring of a feeling in my favour or at my expense, I was unable at the moment to determine. I should have an opportunity of repeating the bow, as we met again in going round the tree. Then I should certainly speak to her, and as I turned my horse's head to the path, I set about thinking of something to say. I had taken the path leading to the right, that which passed round the root of the tree. Of the two ways this appeared to be the shorter and the more used. What was my chagrin when in glancing over my arm I perceived that I had made a most grievous mistake? the girl was going in the opposite direction yes she had chosen to ride round the branching tops of the deadwood by all the gods a much wider circuit was it accident or design it had the appearance of the latter i fancied so and fell many degrees in my own estimation her choosing what was evidently the roundabout direction argued unwillingness that we should meet again since the mazy movement we were now performing precluded all chance of a second encounter except with the great log still between us even then we should be no longer vis-a-vis -vis as before but dos a dos almost on the instant of our approaching to ensure even this poor privilege i rode rapidly round the great buttress of roots that for a moment concealed the fair equestrian from my sight i did this with the intention of getting forward in time so rapidly did i pass and so absorbed was i in the idea of another sweet salutation that i saw not the fearful creature that lay basking upon the log on the sunny side of the upheaved mass of earth once on the other side i discovered that i had made a third mistake equally as provoking as the second i had arrived too soon golden hair was away up among the tangle of tree-tops i could see her bright face gleaming through the branches now and then hidden by the broad leaves of the bignonias that laced them together to make me still more miserable i fancied that she was moving with a studied slowness i had already reached that point where the path parted from the log i dared not pause there was no excuse for it not the shadow of one could i think of and with a lingering towards that glittering attraction i reluctantly headed my horse to the forest a last glance over my shoulder disclosed no improvement in my situation she was still behind the trellised leafwork of the bignonias where she had stayed perhaps to pluck a flower happier far if i had never seen her was the reflection that occurred to me as i entered the gloomy shadow of the trees less gloomy than my own thoughts with one circumstance i now reproached myself why had i been so shy with this forest damsel 
the very way to secure her indifference why had i not spoken to her only in commonplace even good day would have promised me a response and the result could not have been more unfavourable why the deuce had i not bidden her good day i should have heard her voice no doubt an additional charm for i never yet saw a beautiful woman with a harsh voice and i fear the inverse proposition is equally true why passed i without speaking no doubt she deems me a yokel perhaps it was my very shyness she was smiling at said death what a simpleton oh what do i hear a woman's voice a cry of terror there again a scream oh the words help oh help is it she who is calling yes yes it is she by such strange sounds were my reflections interrupted turning my horse with a wrench i urged him back along the path i was yet scarcely a dozen lengths from the log for the reflections above detailed were but the thoughts of a moment half a dozen bounds of my steed brought me back to the edge of the standing timber where i pulled up to ascertain the purport of this singular summons that had reached me i made no inquiry no explanation was needed the scene explained itself for at that moment of my emerging from the shadowy path i had a tableau under my eyes expressive as it was terrifying the girl was upon the other side of the log and near the point where she should have turned off from it but instead of advancing i saw that she had come to a halt her attitude expressing the wildest terror as if some fearful object was before her the jade too showed affright by snorting loudly his head raised high in the air and his long ears pointing forward the young girl was dragging mechanically on the bridle as if to head him away from the spot but this was impossible another log overlapping the first formed an avenue so narrow as to leave not the slightest chance of a horse being able to turn in it into this the animal had backed there was no way of his getting from between the two trunks but by going straight forward or backward forward he dared not go and backward he was moving as fast as the nature of the place would permit now halting with his hips against one of the logs then with a quick rush backing against the other that but for the support thus obtained would have brought him upon his haunches the retrograde movement on the part of the horse was evidently the result of terror at the sight of some object in front it was aided also by the half-mechanical action of the rider who was pulling continuously on the bridle and repeating her cries for help appeared equally to suffer from affright my astonishment was of short duration effect and cause came under my eye almost at the same instant the latter i saw upon the log in hideous form the form of a cougar slowly advancing along the deadwood not by bounds or paces but with the stealthy tread of a cat his long red body stretched out to its full extent the beast more resembled a gigantic caterpillar than a quadruped i could scarcely detect the movement of his limbs so closely did the monster crawl but his great tail tapering three feet behind him was seen vibrating from side to side or at intervals moving with quick jerks expressive of the enjoyment he was receiving in the contemplation of his prey for such he deemed the helpless maiden before him i saw not the cougar's face hideous sight at such a moment nor yet his eyes both were turned from me and fixed steadfastly upon his intended victim the fierce beast did not perceive my approach perhaps a fortunate circumstance once or twice i saw him pause as if crouching for a spring luckily the old horse making a fresh retrogression caused the cougar again to advance along the log in the same creeping attitude as before with a glance i had comprehended the situation indeed at the first glance i understood it perfectly my delay in acting only arose from the necessity of preparing for action and that did not take long it was habitual with me to carry my rifle over my shoulder 
or rested across the pommel of my saddle, in either case always in hand. It was but the work of a moment to get the piece ready. The pressure of the muzzle against my horse's ear was a signal well understood, and at once rendered him as immobile as if made of bronze. Many years of practice, during which I had often aimed at higher game, had steeled my nerves and straightened my sight. Both proved sufficiently true for the destruction of the cougar. Quick after the crack I saw his red body roll back from the log, and when the smoke thinned off I could see the animal writhing upon the ground. Why the cougar had fallen to my side I could not tell, for he was fairly on the ridge of the deadwood when I fired. Perhaps on receiving the shot he had fancied that it came from the only enemy visible to him, and by an instinct impelling him to escape, had tumbled off in the opposite direction. I perceived that he was not yet dead. He was still wriggling about among the branches, but it was clear that the piece of lead had taken the spring out of him. The bullet had passed through his spine, crashing the column in twain. After playing upon him with my revolving pistol, until I had emptied three or four of its chambers, I had the satisfaction of seeing him give his last spasmodic kick. What followed I leave to the imagination of my reader. Suffice it to say that the incident proved my friend. The ice of indifference was broken, and I was rewarded for my sleight-of-hand prowess by something more than smiles, by words of praise that rang melodiously in my ear, words of gratitude spoken with the free, innocent naivete of childhood revealing on the part of her who gave utterance to them a truly grateful heart i rode back with my fair protegee across the track of fallen timber i could have gone with her to the end of the world the tortuous path hindered me from holding much converse with her only now and then was there opportunity for a word i remember little of what was said on my side no doubt much that was commonplace but even her observations i can recall but confusedly the power of love was upon me like absorbing both soul and sense, engrossing every thought in the contemplation of the divine creature by my side, I cared not to talk, enough for me to look and listen. I did not think of questioning her as to whence she had come. Even her name was neither asked nor ascertained. Whither she was going was revealed only by the accident of conversation. She was on her way to visit someone who lived on the other side of the creek, some friend of her father. Would that I could have claimed to be her father's friend, his relative, his son. We reached a ford. It was the crossing place. The house for which her visit was designed stood not far off on the other side, and I must needs leave her. Emboldened by what had passed, I caught hold of that little hand. It was a rare liberty, but I was no longer master of myself. There was no resistance, but I could perceive that the tiny fingers trembled at my touch. The old horse, with provoking impatience, plunged into the stream, and we were parted. I watched her while crossing the creek. The crystal drops sparkled like pearls upon her naked feet. Some of them, dashed higher by the hooves of the horse, were sprinkled upon her cheek, and clung to the carmined skin as if kissing it. I envied those diamond drops. Lingering upon the bank, I gazed upon her receding form, with my eyes followed it through the forest aisle, and then saw it only at intervals, moving like some bright meteor among the trees, until by a sudden turning in the path it was taken from my sight. End of chapter 19